I want to thank all the labor unions here in Dane County that help keep SlyOffice.com up and going so you keep up to date. Whether it be the Madison Firefighters, Local 311, or the Madison Teamsters, Local 695, or our friends at Madison Teachers Incorporated. These are some of the most active local unions who organize, 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 and constantly stand up for workers. Thank you from SlyOffice.com. When you're looking for a new computer or need help with one you already own, call 231-8000 and Madison Computer Works will get things up and running for you. Madison Computer Works, computers that work for you. And welcome to another podcast at SlyOffice.com, brought to you by our friends at the Operating Engineers, Local 139. Also, our friends with Madison Teachers Incorporated, Madison Firefighters, Local 311, and Madison Teamsters, Local 695. Joining us now... Congressman Mark Pocan, who represents the 2nd Congressional District. Uh, Before we get started today, well, we are getting started, but I got to ask you, I saw Senator Braun from Indiana on the other day saying, Indiana doesn't really need the help. I'm wondering, have you had a a conversation with any of your colleagues from Indiana, like Andre Carson? Does does his district need some help? You know, it is amazing uh, when you're a multimillionaire like half of Congress is and probably a greater share of the Senate, how you don't have the same day-to-day complications as uh, your constituents. And uh, I think that's what we run into so often are Republicans who say, you know, things aren't that tough, uh, you know, and their concerns seem to be uh, around their lives rather than their constituents' lives. And uh, that's just part of uh, the modern-day problem in Congress. I'm I'm thinking there's going to be some police officers and firefighters in Indianapolis and Milwaukee and Madison and all over the places that are going to be able to keep their jobs and their pensions because of this bill. Am I correct? Well, you know, this is a big bill and an important bill. And, you know, I I think people will absolutely feel the impacts of this so often. I think, you know, Sly, you know this because you've been doing politics for so long. People don't feel the day-to-day impact of you know, what they do in Madison, much less in Washington, D.C. And in this bill, not only are people getting uh, checks to help them get through these tough times, uh, but we've gotten money finally to local governments and state governments that have been providing so many of the COVID resources that at some point we're going to run into some very, very serious problems that uh, we can now have them continue uh, to be able to operate. And, you know, when you look at the, the protections we put in this bill, uh, things like the, the rent issue, when you go down the list of uh, additional assistance to small businesses for people who are unemployed at no fault of their own, I mean, this bill's impact uh, is huge. And um, it really is what we needed as we're getting the vaccines out to people. And now we get an infrastructure bill out, hopefully in, a, in the next month or two, and we will have done, I think, everything the federal government could really do in a substantive way to help not just end uh, COVID and the impacts that you know we've all been living under, but also to get the economy going again uh, post-COVID. And you know, I'm finally seeing that light at the end of the tunnel, Sly. And this is the bill for a year we wanted to get done, and we finally were able to. Here are some of your uh, here are some of your colleagues. Oh, hang on a second here. Let me fix this. Try, try this. Instead of working with Republicans and Democrats, President Biden try, tried this go-it-alone approach. The left continues to manipulate the English language however it suits their fancy. 
Madam Pelosi uses COVID as an excuse to keep us out of town so she can write this liberal grab bag. And then there's this. This is Mitch McConnell. President Biden and his Democratic government inherited a tide that had already begun to turn toward decisive victory. 2021 is set to be an historic comeback year, not because of the far-left legislation that was passed after the tide had already turned, but because of the resilience of the American people. I don't, I don't remember seeing a tide of things turning around. Do you? No, if, if you'll remember right, we were at the absolute worst of times uh, prior to Joe Biden taking in on COVID. Our numbers were absolutely awful. I mean, the entire year we've been, you know, outside of one or two significantly sized countries, been the worst in, in the entire planet uh, in dealing with COVID and, and the number of deaths reaching a half a million and, and everything else. But no, I, there was no tide turning to help the situation until someone who had adult-like tendencies uh, got elected and decided that they were going to get vaccines going, have a plan to distribute them, uh, get resources out that we needed to adjust uh, post-COVID. And that's finally happening. And it's only happening because you have a Democratic House, a Democratic Senate, and most importantly, a Democratic president that has a significant different position than the last. Here is uh, former New Jersey Governor Chris Christie. That means a lot of Republicans are supporting it. George, look, if you give away money, um, it usually is supported, right? If you give somebody something for nothing, they usually say, sure, I'll take it. Um, that's not shocking that this would have that kind of support at all. Um, it's going to be one of the ramifications for it down the road on governors having been one. If you're going to give me money, that I don't have to raise taxes to raise revenue myself. In my state, um, we, we've seen the budget increase over the last four years from $34 billion to $44 billion in four years. We've seen taxes go up every year. And now my state, which did not have a revenue loss beyond about 1.5%, is now going to get $6 billion more from the federal government. Man, if you're the governor, you're like, sure, you're going to send me that money and I'll spend it? Of course I'll spend it. Your reaction to that? You know, Sly, um, as you remember, when the 2008 economy happened, uh, and, and in many ways that probably had wider impact, not as deep for specific industries like COVID has, but maybe even wider um, but again, not as deep probably of an impact. I was the co-chair of the finance committee, and had it not been for the federal money, we had a $6.6 billion deficit because of the economy. Uh, we got about $2 billion from the federal government, and that helped us uh, enormously. We had to raise uh, taxes about $2 billion. We had to cut about $2.5 billion of spending, um, and that, those are all hard things to do. Right now, uh, this is providing assistance for really where many of the uh, additional expenditures happened for state and local governments dealing with something like COVID. So, um, you know, to act like uh, this is just, you know, a gift uh, for local units of government, it, it does not meet the reality either based on what I have experienced firsthand in a way that few others uh, have experienced as the co-chair of the Joint Committee on Finance when I was in the legislature, uh, but now seeing it from the federal perspective and the money that we're providing and the good that it'll do and, and talking to those local and state officials that tell you the impact it has, you know, people can always give it back. Um, if they don't, uh, if they don't need the money, they can give it back. And my guess is you'll find very, very, very few people who do that. You know, it was a tough summer in Madison, especially for businesses downtown. Is there going to be help for small businesses in this bill? 
Yes. Um, not only is there uh, help for small businesses, but even specific industries that really, really needed it, like restaurants uh, and taverns. Um, you know, that was one of, you know, there's certain industries that have felt this, and what I was trying to explain before about this compared to 2008, very deeply. If you're a restaurant or bar, meeting industry, travel, you this has hit you harder than, than a deep depression. Um, because you are almost out of business. If you're a grocery store, you're, you're got more business because people are staying home and cooking at home. And, you know, so it's been an uneven uh, hit, but nonetheless, a serious hit with a lot of people unemployed at no fault of their own and many small businesses uh, having to close at no fault of their own due to a lack of demand. How about but these? This does have some of that targeted support that was really needed. How about these great venues like the Sylvie and the Orpheum? the Overture Center, and the Riverside, Milwaukee, the, the Pabst Theater. How about those places? Absolutely. There's uh, shuttered um, facilities, uh, dollars that are out there. Uh, and, you know, again, same thing. Like if you're a wedding venue or one of those facilities, you couldn't have anyone uh, come to your facility because of COVID. Uh, this will, after a tough year, you can't go into another tough year. Uh, this will help them enormously. So, again, it's targeted money to businesses that needed it most where PPP was a Band-Aid for them because it helped other businesses that had smaller hits. Uh, this specifically helps those truly devastatingly impacted industries. So Governor Christie seems to take the attitude, as do many Republicans, that Americans don't really deserve this, that, you know, this is uh, this is kind of free money and it's a handout. Well, they sure didn't have a problem with that tax cut in 2017. Exactly. And, you know, and this is the, the hypocrisy of people like Ron Johnson and others who, you know, he has them read the bill into the record because apparently he likes to be read to. Um, but, you know, he didn't do that uh, when the tax bill came up. And what's interesting, I, I had, you know, PolitiFact, I have a love-hate relationship uh, with uh, because I, I wish that they would do a little better and smarter work because we often wind up doing it for them. But recently they contacted us on something we said about Ron Johnson uh, saying the reason I said that, you know, he, he, we're, it's hypocritical that he didn't have it read, the tax bill read into the record because it's about the same amount of money and where was his continuity there. And they tried to justify, well, it's because this bill happened so fast is the real reason. You know, it actually happened two days longer than they took on that tax bill where 86 3% of the money or 85% of the money went to the top 1%. So they had no problem with taking care of their donors and big corporations, and quite honestly, themselves in many cases. Uh, but when it comes to something that's going to provide $1,400 of survival assistance uh, to many to help stimulate the economy, uh, then, of course, they're going to squawk about it. Since you brought Rod Johnson up, here is, uh, <laughs> here is the senator. I'm also criticized because I've made the comment that on January 6th, I never felt threatened because I didn't. And mainly because I knew that even though those thousands of people that, that were uh, marching to the Capitol yeah. were trying to pressure people like me to vote the way they wanted me to vote, I knew those are people that love this country, that uh, truly respect law enforcement, would never do anything to, to break a law. And so I wasn't concerned. Now, had the tables been turned, Joe, this could be in trouble. Had the tables been turned and President Trump won the election, and those were tens of thousands of Black Lives Matter and Antifa protesters, I might have been a little concerned. When he said, this wow. is going to get me into trouble, <laughs> uh, and he kept going, was it, shouldn't that have been his maybe his little clue to pause? 
put the shovel down, Ron. Put the <laughs> shovel down. Um, so first of all, let me unpack the first part. Either he wasn't afraid on January 6th because, one, um, he thinks much like a deer that runs in front of a car because the bright headlights uh, you know, somehow stopped it from thinking, um, or because he thinks much like uh, an extremist or a seditionist and he uh, understood why they were uh, breaking into the Capitol for the first time in a couple hundred years uh, that we've had that happen. Uh, and the second part, the fact that he knew he was wrong and said it out loud, I will give him three honesty points for that, but it was wrong, Ron. What you're saying uh, was racist and bigoted, and uh, you and he doesn't understand, and he keeps digging deeper and deeper. And at some point, um, he's going to hit the core. Uh, it gets really hot down there, and I think, you know, Ron is done uh, as a U.S. senator, whether it's because he doesn't run again or because he does and all of these things uh, bubble up. But we just have to endure another two more years of uh, full rojo, and I think it's going to be over. Do you have any communication with him? <clears throat> you know, I, he's a quirky guy, and, uh, you know, that that's at the best I think I can say. Um, you know, I have been in, in, in a, a number of different meetings or situations with him, and, you know, he's always been quirky. But I'll tell you, the last year, year and a half, he has gone full rojo. He's, he's full Rodanon, you know. Um, he is behaving in a way that is beyond normal, even for some of the, the, the normal, uh, you know, Tea Party or QAnon folks here in Congress. And, you know, he so confidently puts out these, ignorant statements or racist statements that it even is more alarming, I think. So, you know, he's not a guy that I've ever, you know, connected with because he always was odd. But these days, um, he's extremist, he's fringe, he's racist, and he's odd. Marjorie Taylor Greene has to love him because he's pushed her out of the hot seat. (laughs) Yeah. Now, that that takes some work. (laughs) That's what's so sad, Sly, is that there seems to be a competition for people trying to be Donald Trump. And I'll give Donald Trump this. I mean, he was he's a brilliant marketer, and he, off of hatred and ignorance, marketed himself well to make money for himself and his family and his corporation really well. And a lot of people were duped and continue to be duped by him. But, you know, it's, sometimes it's hard to try to – got to be your own person. And everyone's trying to be kind of like him right now. And it shows. I mean, Marjorie Taylor Greene, you know, uh, Q1, as I refer to her, um, Bobert is Q2, uh, you know, is, you know, trying to be a product so hard that that's why it's even more painful to watch. And these days, watching Ron Johnson, you know, one theory out there is that, you know, instead of putting his own money into an election, you know, you could dupe all these people that gave Trump money by, by acting like this. And I think people are trying to act like it. The problem is he doesn't do it with the same, and this, this is not the right word, but I think you'll understand the finesse that maybe Donald Trump did, right? Donald Trump yeah. did what yeah. he did. Yeah, well he doesn't have the he doesn't have the WWE style. Right. Yes. Right. Yes. yes. No, yeah. no. Yeah. He just has that confident racism, confident ignorance, confident rojoism. Uh, that right now we're seeing happen. Well, I, we've gotten the definitive word now from Rick Essenberg. What, what Ron Johnson said was not racist. So there there you go. Take that for what it's <laughs> worth. All right, we'll take a quick break. Congressman Mark Pocan with us at SlyceOffice.com. 
Similar to a well-tuned automobile, a guitar requires the same level of attention to perform at its very best. No matter how expensive your guitar may be, we will treat you and your instrument with the utmost respect. Call 920-723-1733 or visit jeffsguitar.com. Jeff's Guitar Clinic in Ford Atkinson, we love guitars. The attorneys at Jingris, Thompson & Walks have had the honor of receiving numerous awards for their work both in and outside the courtroom. But just as important as receiving accolades for being skilled attorneys, it's equally important to give back to the community in which they live and work. If you want a personal attorney that can help you in so many different areas, they've got them. They're in Eau Claire, Madison, Milwaukee, and Waukesha. They're easy to reach. GTWlawyers.com. That's GTWlawyers.com. We're back at SlivesOffice.com, brought to you by our friends at Madison Computer Works, also Jeff's Guitar Clinic. So as long as we're on people uh, acting quirky, your colleague from the 6th Congressional District has made some news recently. Uh, Here he is on the floor of the House the other day, Congressman. One of the things that hasn't been mentioned here, the increase in the earned income tax credit for single people has a marriage penalty in it. I I bring it up because I know the strength that Black Lives Matter had in this last election. I know it's a group that it doesn't like the old fashioned family. How dare you, how dare you say that Black Lives Matter, black people do not understand old fashioned families. We have been able to keep our families alive for over 400 years and the assault on our families to not have black lives or not even have black families. How dare you say that we are not interested in families in the black community? That is outrageous. That should be stricken down. Now, when Congressman Grothman talks about old-fashioned family values, is he talking about living in his mother's basement? Oh, Cy. Um, You know, this is a fundamental problem, especially uh, in Congress, but I think also true in the legislature, of not electing people as diverse as the country is, as as the state is. And, you know, often people who get elected um, come from a particular slant, especially with uh, gerrymandering and redistricting. And, you know, someone without good redistricting, so... You know, Glenn, I'm not going to try to delve into his head to understand what he said, because it sounds pretty clear to me what he was getting at, which is very wrong-headed and, and you know, apparently racist uh, on its, its helm. I know he's tried to walk it back and explain it. You mean where he put the leprechaun hat on? That? Yes, I saw that picture, yes, as a graphic. But the problem is, you know, when you look at the, the Congress, um, and they finally now have more than two handfuls of women in the entire Republican caucus of 200-plus members, finally. But, you know, how we sit on one side of the room of Democrats, one side of Republicans, you know, one side looks like a bunch of extras for a Mad Men episode, right? 1950s white, older white dudes in suits. Oh, they're not, as, po- they're not as polished as that <laughs> <laughs> no, what they look like, what they look like is all I'm saying. And then you look at the other half, and we actually look much like the country. And I think, you know, I would just love to see more people with life experience, and life experience that doesn't mean, and this isn't Glenn's case, but, you know, half of my colleagues are millionaires, and many of them several times millionaires. And, you know, they're not always 
they can vote the right way in sometimes, but they're not as connected to reality, the real issues that we, we face okay. in Congress but, often enough. But let me just read off some names. And then, you know, the, this wasn't diversity, but these people didn't didn't say silly, outrageous things. You know, Congressman Petri, Congressman Gunderson, even Congressman Ryan didn't say outrageous things like that. Uh, your former colleague from the Appleton Green Bay area, Reed Ribble, uh, none of those people disgraced the state. Well, and don't forget, I mean, but also I, I completely agree with you. There's an overall fundamental shift of who's getting elected, especially since 2010, right? You had the Tea Party come in and you had people who fundamentally didn't believe in government run for government so they could run it, which is like, you know, me giving people advice on best shampoo, right? Like, I don't know. <laughs> I have no hair. And these are now people who don't believe in government trying to run it. But then now they're the moderates because now we have this QAnon faction. So saying, you know, racist or, or extremist things is kind of in the mainstream of the Republican Party. I mean, the best example I gave recently is, you know, the Republican Party is like a snow globe right now. Um, they don't know what they are, if they're a conservative party, if they're a, a cult party of Donald Trump, if they're a religious right party, are they QAnon, are they Tea Party? So you're going to see a lot of crap coming from the sky uh, while we're trying to figure out what the Republican Party is, and they just don't know right now what they are. Well, speaking of that, obviously, uh, legislatures all over the country are trying to suppress the, the voter turnout, including Wisconsin. and. It, they're, they're not even really hiding this anymore. They've got a goal. They don't want as many people turning out to vote. And frankly, they were quite successful in North Carolina after uh, then-Senator Obama won that state back in 2008. They suppressed enough of the vote where, uh, you know, Mitt Romney won it four years later. So they, they know what they're doing. They're, they're, they've become very good at this. They used to be a party that was aspirational about getting the majority of the vote in this country. That's long gone let me just play this montage. This is uh, President Biden talking about the filibuster as well as Senator McConnell and Schumer. Here's the choice. I don't think you have to eliminate the filibuster. You have to do it what it used to be when I first got to the Senate and back in the old days when you used to be around there. And that is that a filibuster, you had to stand up and command the floor. And you had to keep talking alone. You couldn't call for, you know, they, no, no one could say, you know, quorum call. Once you stop talking, you lost that, and someone could move in and say, I moved the question of. So you got to work for the filibuster. So you're for that reform. You're for bringing back the talking filibuster. I am. That's what it was supposed to be. Meanwhile, Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell issued a stark warning against any changes to the filibuster. Nobody serving in this chamber can even begin, can even begin to imagine what a completely scorched earth Senate would look like. This is an institution that requires unanimous consent to turn the lights on before noon. Everything that Democrat Senates did to Presidents Bush and Trump, everything the Republican Senate did to President Obama, would be child's play compared to the disaster that Democrats would create for their own priorities if if they break the Senate. Senator McConnell is always looking for a diversion. He knows how popular ARP is. He knows he and his whole caucus opposed it. 
and that the American people, even Republicans, we just survey in New York State, 55% of Republicans are for the ARP now that it's passed. So he's always looking for a diversion. As for uh, the issue, we Democrats, all of us, believe we need big, bold change. As I've said before, we hope our Republican colleagues will work with us to produce that change. We will try to get them to work with us. But if not, we will put our heads together and figure out how to go, and everything is on the table. All right, your thoughts on that? Yeah, you know, um, I hope that, uh, at least in the current form, the filibuster's days are numbered. Um, you know, I guarantee if the Republicans come back in power, uh, they will get rid of it. They, they'll, they'll cut your throat and say you walked into the knife, right? They're not going to uh, wring their hands and worry about what Joe Manchin uh, thinks about it or how Kirsten Sinema is going to give it a finger or whatever is going to happen. They're just going to get it done. And, you know, we have to get uh, H.R. 1, which is the most comprehensive uh, campaign finance ethics and elections reform law. Uh, ever introduced a pass because we can't keep doing whack-a-mole with what you said. The Republican legislatures, including Wisconsin, trying to make it harder for people to vote. They want to pick voters rather than the other way around, voters picking elected officials. And if we can't stand up to the filibuster for that, uh, then we have not shown that we are worthy to be a party in charge of things. And I think um, we need reform. I'm just glad to see Joe Biden take a baby step forward uh, by saying that we should at least have to do the filibuster in a more traditional way, which is getting up there and actually working for it. But I actually think that its days um, should be more numbered because we have important big things to get done, and uh, not doing so, I think, is a disservice to the American people. Let me bounce a couple things off. I'm sure you saw uh, Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen uh, tossing the idea out of some sort of global uh, level of equity when it comes to corporate taxes so we don't have all these jobs going overseas. Um, you have brought up that we waste way too much money with the Pentagon. Um, and then, you know, talking about maybe getting rid of some of the Trump tax cuts. Uh, give me a roadmap of where we're going with all these things. Yeah, so I literally this morning I uh, had a meeting uh, with Ron Klain, uh, five of us from the Progressive Caucus, uh, for about an hour and 15 minutes. And we had a number of subjects. Uh, it was The main subject was trying to get the minimum wage done in the Senate and how we're going to get this done, because it's very important to, to many of us, especially in the Progressive Caucus. But secondly, we did talk a bit about tax policy. And I think you know, they really do want to uh, look very closely at those corporate tax rates. And the fact that the top 90 corporations in this country don't pay a dime of taxes doesn't make any sense. And they totally get that. You know, I'll tell you a slide. As you know, I was a big Bernie Sanders person. I traveled the country. I was in Iowa and New Hampshire and Nevada for him. Um, I think Joe Biden is doing a, a great job. He came out with a lot of progressive initiatives uh, in his first 30 days. They're moving forward <coughs> excuse me, on a lot of things that I think are, are really necessary. And I think when it comes to taxation, uh, they get that uh, you can't have major corporations paying no taxes. That's not fair, and I think they want to move towards fairness. Well, I must say, I'm encouraged every time I see that Steve Ratner, who's sort of a corporate Democrat, looking very sad on Morning Joe, uh, <laughs> as well as Larry Summers. The fact that they're unhappy makes me very happy. I, I agree with you. It's so funny you say that, because uh, uh, we often have these conversations at home uh, during the morning, during Morning Joe. Um, and it really... Um, I think, you know, Ron Klain is a pretty 
you know, is more progressive than not. And he, being the chief of staff, has been, I think, very influential with this. And Joe Biden, you know, this isn't his first rodeo, right? He knows what he's doing, and he's able to get in there and get some things done with really tight margins, a 50-50 Senate, you know how next to impossible that is. I mean, any special interest that gets to any one senator can try to stop things. So that's all the more reason why things like filibuster reform was part of our conversation with the White House today. Um, But the fact that they're willing to lead from the White House on these things matters a lot. And, um, you know, I just hope that we don't let arcane rules or, um, you know, the states of West Virginia or Arizona grew up things for the people across the country. Yeah, someday we can have a conversation. Explain to me Kirsten Cinema because I don't I understand Joe Manchin uh, and he actually has quite a good labor voting record, but Cinema's voting record in the Senate and and where that state's headed I I don't understand her. She's an enigma wrapped up in a contradiction. <laughs> wrapped up in really expensive uh, outfits. <laughs> that, that, that vote when she voted the thumbs down. The curtsy? The curtsy yeah, vote? Like, like, I, you know, I think I still follow her account because I follow many of my colleagues' accounts, and she's getting ratioed incredibly. And I think that um, it may actually have a positive impact in the end for her realizing that, you know, she's not smarter than her constituents and that, you know, people didn't appreciate the glee in voting down uh, the minimum wage. What? And uh, I'm hoping that, you know, um, with Joe Biden, you, you know, the good news is Joe Biden and uh, Kamala Harris and uh, the whole administration is doing a major campaign to get minimum wage increase done, uh, probably with a few tweaks, but some, I think, tweaks that we can all live with. And uh, I give them a lot of credit. And if they're able to get to some of those folks that are causing the problems, um, again, all the more power to them. Finally, uh, they put out a statement on trade that I found very positive. You know, you and I both disagree with some of Senator Biden's votes on on trade when he represented Delaware, which obviously has a lot of big banks. Um, were you encouraged by that? And do you do you think we're done with the days of bringing back the TPP? You know, I do. I tell you, I, I, across the board, I've been very impressed, uh, surprised, and very pleasantly surprised by Joe Biden's actions. You know, again, I think he's been around so long, he really does know the process, and that's why he's been able to come out of the gate so strong. But, you know, no one could really think what we've done with trade has worked. I mean, we've lost way too many jobs to Mexico and overseas. Too many American families have, have had to pay the consequences, and now we have to do things differently. And I think. Well, wait a minute. Now, he worked out really well for Mitt Romney's garage. He's got that elevator yeah. in his garage. Yeah. So it worked well for him. <laughs> Most American families lie. Most American families. But, you know, I, I do think that even we had a good talk about the border and immigration today. And I'll tell you, it was just um, it, it, after we all were talking at the meeting, I think I was the only person who'd been to the White House in the last four years. And that was only because I had this constituent uh, friend uh, doing a tour uh, and I toured with them. That was my only time in the White House for four years. And no one else there had been to the White House. To be able to go back and have a meeting for an hour and 15 minutes with the chief of staff, to have a substantive conversation about values, about how to get things like the minimum wage done, um, about cutting Pentagon spending. I mean, it was such a night and day difference. I I was uh, extremely pleased to be a part of it, and I'm I'm feeling like uh, the 117th Congress has lots of potential. One more question. We're a year into this pandemic. How long did it take for your office in Madison or Washington 
to start getting calls from people hurting financially when this pandemic started the shutdown? How long did it take? How many days? Oh, immediate. I mean, you know, everyone had to close down. So I don't forget, like in Wisconsin. So immediately and, um, you know, unemployment immediately had the spike. Uh, and again, if people had no fault of their own, and that's the most essential part, that's where government has to come in and help because we're the only entity that could. And I think coming out of this, maybe people will realize that some of that myth that was created and, and for years created around Ronald Reagan about saying that, you know, the, the scariest words or whatever, or that the government's here to, I'm from the government, I'm here to help. I mean, that was a plan by the wealthiest people and the wealthiest corporations to try to change how we fundamentally were as a country and where we put our resources. And I think for the first time, I see that pivoting and changing, and it's been way too long, but I think we may be there. Well, amen to that. Congressman Mark Pocan, thanks for joining us at Sly's office. Yeah, absolutely, Sly. Thanks so much for having me. Sly'sOffice.com. Thanks a million. Bye-bye.